There's a quote from a song um, by Brandon Flowers. He's the lead singer of The Killers. And I think it really applies to the Naruto-Sasuke fight. And it's from Mr. Brightside. It started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this? <laughs> God damn. That's very well done. Well done, Dios. Jesus Christ, that's amazing. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome into Anime Plus episode 50. 50 episodes of this show. Super pumped to be here for that, especially after the failed attempt that was Anime Once Upon a Time. Anime Plus uh, rebranded. Uh, we are 50 episodes in, boys. And not only are we 50 episodes in, this is the one year anniversary of Anime Plus since the first episode launched. A shout out to that. We have come a long way. You know, I recently went back and listened to some of our original episodes at the very beginning, and Jesus Christ, have we come a long way. So it's really cool to see where we are now. Uh, this is going to be a very special episode. This is an ep- this is a topic for this episode that we've put off for quite a while. Uh, Fifty incredible fights across anime, manga, and webtoon. We have we've legit put this one off for a while. It, it was it's always a topic. It's like man, this is going to be a damn headache to do, but we're here. We're finally doing it to celebrate our one year anniversary. To celebrate episode fifty, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, hopefully you're having a phenomenal day, whatever day you're listening or perhaps watching this podcast of our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash sparky3. Make sure to give us a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, be a friend, tell a friend that you're listening. We'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, joining with me here in studio, I do got Zach. Zach, man, how you feeling today? Are you ready to get, you ready to kick this thing off? I mean, I'm doing good, but it's not my one year. I'm, I'm still two weeks off. Yeah, you are. You're still two weeks off. Zach, of course, came in. Man, shout out to that, dude. Zach came in to fill in for episode three, just on the whim. You know, like, hey, I gave him like three days of prep. Dude reads like 300 fucking chapters in a couple days, and the rest is history. He's been on the show ever since. Shout out to that. Uh, And then, of course, I do have Josh here over the phone. Josh, buddy, how you feeling today, man? 50 episodes of me and you doing this show together. You know, we we are after our failed attempt of Animan Once Upon a Time. We came back bigger, better, and stronger than ever. How you feeling, man, after one one year of doing this show now? Oh, yeah. I'm feeling really good. And it's it's a big difference going from, like, the original Animan where we – completely spoiled an entire series of Bingo. one episode. Yep, the very first episode completely spoiled all of Demon Slayer. Yep. <laughs> like a bunch of freaking rubes. Dude, <laughs> hey, we had to we had to find our ground. We had to find our footing exactly what we, what we wanted to do. And I feel like we've done that here with Anime Plus, and we're continuing to figure out exactly what we want to do and evolve the show. You know, one year down for this uh, for this show, fifty episodes in. You know, that doesn't it doesn't stop here. We just need to keep growing and keep and keep getting better. Uh, this episode also not only is it you know the one year, not only is it the fiftieth episode, it's also a special episode because I believe if I if I, know, if I remember correctly, this is the only episode that we've ever had a guest. Of anime on Anime Plus, I don't think we've ever had a guest on here. Yeah, no, you're Techni- right. Technically, you yeah. were the only guest, and then you became a permanent co-host. So, yeah, we do have a guest here today. This man, uh, a former roommate of mine, good friend, uh, he has actually never been on any of the Sparky Three podcasts. Super excited to have him in here. I've wanted to get him on a show here for a while because this dude is electric to talk to, uh, and that is my friend who's also happened to be named Zach. So we're gonna we're just gonna call him Diaz here. Diaz, buddy, how you feeling today? How you feeling being here on Sparky Three? Oh, well, you know, I'm excited to be here. Obviously, uh, it's nice to be invited in for a show I've heard you talk about for a long you know, time. Uh, almost <laughs> a year now. Like you said, yeah, yeah. Uh, you've been wanting to do this even longer than you've been actually doing it. True. So, you know, it's nice to be able to come on, give you a hand with it, because I know you've wanted me to do it 
well before you even started doing it. Yeah, and you know the way that he put it is is very true. You know, of course, this guy. I mean, he. You know, we've talked over at Lot Hard Gamers how how John lived with me as well. You know, former roommate. But I mean, Diaz here, man, he's been a roommate uh, a lot longer than John was. You know, we lived at a rent house together for a couple of years before we moved over here into the house that I own. And uh, yeah, he and he can and what he said is true. You know, I wanted to do podcasting for so long, and uh, now we're a year into Animan Plus. We're you know coming up in in 2022, going to hit our two year for you know Lot Hard Gamers in May. Um, so, I mean, it, we, we've, we've come a long way, man. Uh, Sparky 3 and this show, a lot harder gamers and everything. We're continuing to grow. We've got a terrible football show that's launched, of course. we got Spark Bark, our Shoot the Shit podcast that's on the way. We have a movie podcast on the way as well, which hopefully Diaz will be involved with on that one. Uh, lots of good things going on over here. And like I said, make sure you give us a like on the video, subscribe to the channel so you can stay up to date with all these things that are going on. Um, so... Let, let me go ahead and address one thing about Animan Plus before we jump into this list and jump into exactly what to expect out of this. So I did mention that, you know, we're going to continue to try to grow and grow and just keep, tr- you know, try to improve the show the mo- most that we can. So starting next week, uh, we are going to do a little, we're gonna, it'll be an experiment. We'll, I mean, if it works out well, we'll rock with it for a while. You know, it is, if it doesn't work out, we may go back to the original format. We'll see. But starting next week, there's actually going to be two uploads uh, for Animan Plus every single week right here at the same RSS feed. If you're, you're, if you're subscribed to the show, hey, you're good to go don't worry about it but what we're doing is we're going to have the anime plus episode that's going to strictly focus on anime that we're watching whether if it's old or new or whatever and the manga chapters we're reading and then all the new stuff that we do that's actually going to be a separate upload from now on it's going to be a kind of a quicker upload maybe 10 minutes tops with uh, just pretty much me and zach taking care of that one we'll still cover the manga sales of course for all the volumes got going on i know we just launched a uh, a new bunch for weekly show magazine uh the first week uh hey tokyo avengers guys uh already almost eclipsed 500k Mm-hmm. In its first week, I mean, it, it's actually it's it's blowing up right now as, as we expected. Beautiful cover, of, by the way, of Mikey looks looks fantastic. Um, so you know, we're still going to be talking about that stuff with the uh, with the Animan Plus news, and then the, like I said, Animan Plus will just just be us talking about anime. We're going to get, I think it's going to be good because we're going to get be a lot more detailed with our episode talks because you know, depending on how the news goes, it could be thirty minutes by the time we get to anime. It's like. Shit, dude. Yeah, it's like we have to speed run through, you know, some stuff. So looking forward to that. You know, like I said, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be an experiment. If it's received well, we'll keep rocking with it. Uh, Now about this list. All right, so first and foremost, we are respectful uh, to people that are anime-only viewers. So, like, you know, we'll have some honorable mentions that, of course, naturally would probably be on this list in a normal world, but uh, they're stuff that has not been animated yet, but it's like a popular series that's set to be animated at some point, whether if it's like Tokyo Avengers, My Hero Academia, two prime examples right now. Um, So we are pretty respectful to this list in terms of, you know, if it's already been animated or if it's a manga-only fight, it's been out for a while. Same thing for Webtoons. And another thing to stress is this is not a ranking list by any means. Uh, you know, while granted you're going to, what we're going to have in some top 10, top 20 are things that you would expect to be there. We're not saying that these are hands down the greatest fights of all time. Maybe maybe some of the ones in top 10, yes. But, you know, I mean, at number 50, we got things kicking off with a pretty awesome fight. You know, and then we got some kind of underrated ones, and we got some awesome ones kind of late, too. So it's just, it's not a ranking list. Please, please let it, you know, this is just our opinions on fights that we really enjoy across the across the massive landscape of anime, manga, and webtoon. Um, with that said, uh, I'm ready to go ahead and jump into it, if you guys are. We got 50 fights to go Hell over. Hell no. All right. Well, anyway. Um, all right. So that's the show, guys. That's the end, everybody. All right, so um, hopefully, if you want to like, comment, subscribe, me, guys. Rate, yeah. Whatever you'd like. Um, because I hate this list, and <laughs> I've been against it the entire time. All right. Well, that's going to be do it for the show. He said it. Hey, Diaz, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks yeah. for having me. This yeah, was Josh. Great. Josh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you have a good rest of your day. With that said, uh, see you later, guys. Bye. All right, we're back. Anyway, all right, let's, we're doing the list. <laughs> we're doing the list. We're doing the list. 
All right, so let's get let's jump Wait, into it. What? Hold on, hold on. What happened? <laughs> what do you mean? What, what happened? Where are you at? Where were you? I'm gone. Where? What are you, happened? Uh, dude, this guy's high as a kite Did right he now. Vape already? <laughs> yeah, I think he's on another planet right now. God dang it. Josh, I'm looking forward to hearing all of your uh, your breakdowns for these fights, assuming that you're on another planet right now. <laughs> well, okay, so I was also <laughs> reading about them, about these fights to get a little more like context on them, and all I hear is, all right, we're done. I was like, did I just read through that entire episode? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny, dude. That's Yeah, you're on another planet. Yeah, no, that's the epitome of the picture that Josh sent us yeah. in the Discord. <laughs> yes, yes, it with is. With the three dragon heads. Yes, that that is true. That is Anime Plus to a T. Well, you know, he was worried about it for a second there, and now he's just kind of like, well, I've already done my part, you know? Yeah, it's time to go, time to go chill, you know, watch more One Piece probably. He's like, wow, this was incredibly easy. I breezed through that list yeah, like no, it was nothing. Yeah, I know. Good. I was like, <laughs> what am I? What does I worry myself for? Like that was super easy. I didn't even ask me a question. Yeah. So, right. but for real, were you not recording? We've been recording this entire. What do you? Oh my god, Josh, you be quiet. Your turn's gonna come up here very soon. Okay, we're gonna jump into yeah. it. And also shout out to the fact that go ahead and get ready, ladies and gentlemen. You guys, if you guys listen to this show, you guys know how wonderful I am at pronouncing names. There's probably going to be a lot of butchering in this list uh, of name pr- uh, pronouncing. So let's jump into it. Coming in at number 50, I have uh, picked on this one uh, versus Broly from the Dragon Ball Super movie. But hey, also shout out to the original uh, Broly movie as well. That movie was one of my favorite Dragon Ball Z movies growing up, 100%. But, uh, fu- you know, the the versus Broly in the mo- in the new movie is absolutely incredible because of the animation, the switch between the introduction to Super Saiyan God Vegeta, of course, which is the first time we've seen that outside of fan fictions or, you know, Dragon Ball Heroes, which is not canon, of course. But just the animation that they went for for this movie where it's like there was a lot of bits where it's like you're looking at it through first person of where it's like Broly punching Vegeta through a mountain or, you know, you're looking at it from Broly's point of you getting punched through a mountain etc you know top to bottom the animation's incredible you know goku's transformation scene where you know he's going up to super saiyan blue you have a brief instant of ultra instinct you know broly just learning as this fight goes on because broly knows he's strong but he doesn't he doesn't know what a super saiyan is so throughout this fight he's consistently learning from goku and vegeta getting stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where goku and vegeta they can't they can't take him even with their god forms Causing them to retreat, and of course, we get the introduction, the canon introduction to Gogeta, who does go Super Saiyan Blue to finish up the fight there. And then, you know, the way that you know the way that the movie ends with Goku going to visit Broly is really the best way to explain this fight. Where you know Goku's just like, you know, hey, this guy got as strong as he is now on his own, just on a whim. Imagine how much stronger he could be with training, and that 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 really sums up this movie real well. Is like Broly was literally just learning as he went. He's just like, yeah, I mean, I know I've always been strong, but I'm just gonna wing it, and we'll see what happens. Gets his ass kicked majority of the movie before he starts kicking ass as he gets into the legendary Super Saiyan form. Uh, this this movie is absolutely phenomenal, just you know, visually, uh, the animation is absolutely incredible, and I'm really pumped to see what they're gonna do with superhero. While I'm kind of confused about the direction of that movie of superhero, uh, I still you know, animation wise, it's going to be absolutely stunning just like Broly was uh coming at number 49 we have the autumn showdown finals from food wars yeah I mean this is debatable some people might say it's not a fight but yeah that's true yeah it's very much a intended as a fight and contest because during the whole actual setup of it for them trying to cook 
prepare their fish and whatnot. Yeah. It's a whole thing. It even references how each of them have chosen their blade yep. or fish for the competition. And this whole thing setting it up. And it's a very good... There are some few contests that I might put usually in ahead of it. But in terms of like just initial setup and everything for the series, this is the first real big... Uh, fight between several of the main characters and set up and just for uh, Soma, our MC, him sort of hitting a roadblock of sorts amongst his current peers as well because in the end uh, oh, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head but uh, our spy, the guy who uses spices um, I can't remember his name to save my life at the moment he's the one who ends up winning beating out uh, Soma and uh, I really can't remember their names now. Um, yeah, the other guy. He's the angry one. He likes to smash things. Angry one's all you He's need from now. the harbor. Yeah, that's all you need now. <laughs> um, and just really shows a good... Um, just each of their different techniques and styles of these three characters, especially with the other two who were first inter- really introduced here during the uh, Autumn Showdown final. Right. Autumn Showdown and everything. And... Just overall, very well done, animated. The similes with them battling with swords. <laughs> right. And I should also clarify, you know, since, you know, obviously we did have the Autumn Showdown finals here. When it comes to this list as well, there are a handful of fights or, as we're just going to call conflicts as well, yeah. battles or, or whatever. You know, there could be group fights on here. There, there's one-on-ones, two-on-ones, whatever. You know, there are a string of fights that we're all considering one, you know, ranking if it's like all in a tight spaced area, one after another, boom, boom, boom. That's all stuff that we are counting as one list. I mean, it's, yeah, it's our show. We do what we want. Um, but just, just be warned. There are a couple more that are like that on this list. Uh, coming at number 48, we have uh Rimuru versus Hinata for, from reincarnated as a slime. So if I'm not mistaken, this fight starts off season two. Um, and, Basically, where season one in, ends off is uh, Rumors heading back to his uh, his hometown, and when season two starts off, he uh, he he feels a presence, uh, which Great Stage warns him that he's trapped in a, a barrier that prevents his magic. And um, you know, as he's looking around, uh, a woman approaches him from behind uh, and tells him that her name is. Hinata, and that she's going to basically kill him and avenge uh, Shizu, who everyone thinks that Rimuru killed. Um, the fight itself doesn't last very long. It's really well animated and animated. I haven't read the manga or read the light novel, so I can't comment there. Um, some of the things that you know kind of happen is that Shizu basically attacks Rimuru and like tries to get him with the sword. Uh, finds out that the sword is uh, doesn't strike a physical body; it strikes a spiritual body, and uh, ultimately back to Rimuru in a corner. And he uses a uh, his glutton ability, turns himself into like a big monstrous chimera thing, which Shizu respond or Hinata responds by uh, basically using a uh, disintegration technique to to kill him, and that's where the fight ends. But uh, it turns out Rimuru never actually was in the fight; he kind of ducked out halfway through so he wouldn't die. Zach, you got anything, man? <laughs> I mean, he he hit it. I okay. was just very confused by the Shizu all okay. of a sudden. Okay. Yeah. This, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Okay. I got you. It wasn't sure. 
Coming at number 47, we have Alucard versus Walter in Helsing Ultimate. Now, for anybody that's a fan of Helsing Ultimate or has seen the original Helsing, you probably all know that. What? What's going on? Oh, God damn it. What'd you do? <laughs> I hate these cameras. It's just that one today, man. Wait, the other wait. the other ones are fine. You fucking kill me. The wait. other ones are fine. It's just that one today. Wait, what happened with the camera? The camera froze You're again. frozen. <laughs> it froze? Yeah. Oh, well, that's lovely. All yeah. right, throw up the Fs. And, yeah, throw up the S. We'll be right back, people. All right, we're back from some wonderful tech problems. Sparky 3 is a grade A, just a grade A facility, man. We got a lot of good stuff going on. You no, know, it's because we never use that camera on this show. That is true. We don't because we've never had a guest on the show. We've never, I mean, we've used the camera like what, twice, maybe once, once or twice with Josh. I think that's yeah. it. But uh, anyway, so uh, number, yeah, number 47, Alucard versus Walter from Helsing Ultimate. What, what do we got going on? So, you know, anybody that's ever watched any of the Helsing Ultimate or if you've watched Helsing Ultimate Abridged, you know, beautiful dub by, you know, Team Four Star. Shout out. Um, then you know that it's just an absolutely gruesome show. And you know that Alucard just absolutely gruesomely likes to slaughter people. But, you know, this is one of the few fights where we see the exact opposite happen. No matter what kind of nightmarish nonsense Alucard throws out, he's there to get his shit slapped down by Walter. The one guy throughout the show that consistently slaps other people's shit down. No matter who you put in front of him. So this is kind of one of the... The reason why I like this fight so much is just... You see this cocky character, and, you know, he's a cocky character from opening to ending in the show, even, you know, especially if you watch the abridged version. He is, you know, which, I mean, shout out to Takahata101. He does an excellent job just making Alucard a fun character instead of just this grisly, psychotic vampire. But, you know, um, it's just, it's great to just see this, character that's next to a god for all intents and purposes in this series be beaten by just a vampire slayer. That's, you know, that's what Walter is down to his core. He was just a vampire slayer, which is why he ended up fighting Alucard to begin with, you know, wanting to see, can he beat this guy? Well, it turns out the answer is yes, he can beat this guy and he does. Right on. Coming at number 46, we have the Yozakora family versus Tan Popo. So if you don't know about Mission Yozakora family, I definitely recommend giving it a read. It's about to pass 100 chapters. Its two-year anniversary is coming up, a current series and weekly Shonen Jump. And that right now, as of now, with where we are at chapter 98, 99, this is the pinnacle of my uh, of Mission Yozakora family as of right now, an arc that we just finished up with. And this arc, there were so many factors that went into it. You know, going into this you know, arc with uh, the you know the organization, Tan Popo, they're, they're basically trying to get Yozakora blood to basically create more enhanced humans uh, by mixing it with some other with some other bloods etc uh, but they're you know while they're trying while Yozakor family are, are going in there trying to stop them from doing that there's also that there's also that secret underlying mission as well between our main character and the eldest brother Kochiro where you know mind you Kochiro has never liked uh, Tayo throughout uh, Tayo throughout the whole series because you know he's super protective of his, of his sister and you know Tayo was married to him so he's like I'll oh, fuck you I, I don't like you um, you know 
you know, he Kochiro entrusted Toya was like, hey, if I fall, this is the actual mission. I don't want anyone else to know, and that is to, re- to recover the remains of the first head of the Yozakora family. That the basically how they've been getting the Yozakora blood up to this point, which is special blood, give you enhanced properties. But everything about this arc was absolutely fantastic. Getting to see all of the siblings except the eldest, because at this point, I don't think he's ever used his blooming. I'm personally convinced he's always using his blooming because he, he's never opened his fucking eyes. So I'm convinced he's using it 24 7. But in this arc, you get to see everyone else use all their special abilities. And it was just one fight after another throughout this whole thing was an absolute banger. Plus, coming down to the final fight against the leader of Tampopo, Makoto, where it was just one big showdown between him and all the members of the Yozakora family. Uh, also, shout out to the fact that for that fight, uh, Mission Yozakora family did get a 34 page extension just for this fight. I mean, top to bottom, this was an absolutely phenomenal read. Some of the the, the peak of Mission Yozakora family as of now. Uh, Comment number 45, we have Joe versus Yori from Megalobox. Yeah, now, what you, this is just my first of ones I've chosen for this list that you'll find out that I, in fights, I very much enjoy a slugfest. Yep. And this is very much the epitome of a slugfest. <laughs> this is the final match in the first season of Megalobox of Joe versus Yuri. Yuri's the top dog. Joe's fought his way to become his contender in the big Megalobox tournament. And this is a very great turnaround in the series because it goes from the first time they fight down in the underground fights with Joe with this no gear and Yuri shows up with his very special gear and sort of just plays with Joe, beats him down and everything. And then we come full circle, go through the whole tournament. Joe manages to clear through the rankings and we come to a fight of Yuri and Joe, neither of them wearing gears and just straight up boxing and beating the living crap out of each other. And just overall phenomenal top off to the series overall enjoyed the fight animated. Well, was very uh, dramatic and atmospheric with the music chosen, everything just very well done overall. And I cannot not want to watch that uh, fight in all truth and everything. Coming in at number 44, we have Zeus versus Adam from Record of Ragnarok. Yeah, so I haven't read Record of Ragnarok, but I watched the Netflix uh, the Netflix series, which, I mean, wasn't bad. And obviously the best fight, in my opinion, from that was Zeus versus Adam. Because, uh, you know, Zeus is touting himself as, like, basically the strongest god because he's, like, the god of the gods or, you know, something like that. And... Um, ends up, you know, getting kind of cocky and taking over the second fight from Shiva, and he's up against Adam, who Adam, obviously Adam, from the Bible, the first dude. Um, so you this sure is coming Adam? at him. It might be that. It might not be that. Adam but I, that's the, it is Adam Warlock. Um, <laughs> but this is coming at him with uh, lightning fast, like punches and kicks and stuff, and Adam's avoiding every single one of them uh, with surprises everybody and then Adam basically throws all the attacks right back at him uh, because he has the eyes of the Lord um, that basically lets him copy any attack or technique that he sees Um, and basically Adam controls that entire fight up until Zeus starts uh, contorting his muscles and you know making himself a little more powerful um, which Adam still is able to dodge but it ends up putting so much of a strain on his body that in the final like you know, plug fest. Um, Zeus ends up winning only because Adam had died in the middle of the fight. Um, yeah, it was 
So the best fight in season one of Ragnarok by far. Coming in at number 43, we have Tandro and Nezuko versus Ryu from Demon Slayer. Ryu, eh? Like from Street Fighter? Oh, or yeah, did you mean Rui? Rui? Yeah, Rui. My bad. Rui. No, no he, he, he means Ryu, so... Ryu from Street Fighter. So we, yeah. know, we need yes. you to recreate that fight. Okay, yes. so like, yeah. uh, you know, Street obviously, obviously Tanjiro and Nezuko were kind of on the ropes there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially after, you know, like a couple of Hadoukens. Yeah, Hadoukens, absolutely. And Ken and, jumped in randomly at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, Ken went in, put, you know, Nezuko in a headlock, and what else is there to say? Like, I mean... Yeah, it was a tough fight. No, but, I mean, obviously, like... um. Tondro so confirmed for Street Fighter. Watching watching Demon Slayer for me was just it was from start to finish, it was just an experience. I loved everything about the show from the first episode, starting with the animation, the music, the artwork. Everything about the show was just pure bliss watching it. Um once we got to this episode in particular, though, I had enjoyed the show, and then this episode happened, and I loved the show. And then I just couldn't get enough of it after that. And I was just like, this fight in particular, um, partway through, you've got Tanjiro. He's just struggling, you know, to beat Rui, who he finds out is a lower-ranked um, member of the Demon Moons. Yep. Um, and, you know, he, you know, he's heard that the Demon Moons are just these badasses among the demons. And, you know, he finds out that it's just a lower moon, and he's just kind of like, well, shit. And, you know, he's just getting his ass beat all around the woods. Um, he's able to throw in a few slugs. You know, he thinks he's doing good. Thinks he cuts off Ruby's head at some point. Well, you know, it turns out Ruby just popped his head off like and kept it. Yeah, he just pops his own head off like he's some kind of a fucking doll. Right. Thinks that's cool and everything. Like a fucking ass head. Now, I will say the buildup into this whenever he cuts his head off is phenomenal. The music buildup. The animation is just beautiful. You get some team effort from Nezuko. Find out that she has what's called a blood demon art, which is something that only the moon demons have had at this point in the show. So that's a surprise for those of you guys that haven't read any of the manga or aren't completely caught up in the anime or have seen the movie yet, which, you know, if you haven't, recommend seeing, watching through the anime, watching the movie. Fantastic. You guys will love it. Coming in at number forty-two, we have Rai versus Muzaka from Noblesse, and this is uh, t- this is a fight that is in the webtoon. Uh, I've you there. I know there was like a Noblesse movie where it was like the origin story of of kind of what happened with them all those years ago. You can go watch that on YouTube. That's that's a pretty solid fight. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, is it was it might have been called Awakening, or is that the the OVA that started the season? Awakening was the OVA. Okay, well there was a movie. I just don't remember the name of the movie. It was like a little short thirty-minute movie, but you get to see their fight that happened all those years ago. But no, this fight in the webtoon was absolutely phenomenal. I've always praised Noblesse for having some of the best drawn fights I've ever read. And this one for sure kind of really takes the cake because there's so much weight behind this fight of these two being such long-time close friends. You know, Raya of the Nobles, of course, being the Noblesse, Muzaka, yeah, at one point being the leader of the werewolves. Uh, them both being kind of very seclu- uh, secluded, you know, away from kind of people. They don't really have friends, but these two end up becoming friends. And what started their fight all those, like, 700 years ago, I forgot how long Rai was asleep, you know, was because Muzaka lost his daughter, you know, and he wanted to destroy all of humanity, and Rai is trying to protect humanity. You know, once it comes time for this fight, Rai is pretty much consistently on his deathbed with every fight that he tries to have because of how weakened 
Bundy is from that fight all these those years ago. But just one, just one scene after another throughout this of Ryan Muzaka still you know duking it out because of ultimately Muzaka wants to still cut, kill humans. You know, he's still friendly. He's still friends with Ryan. It's like, hey, you know, I still love you as a friend. You know, obviously, whatever. And it's just, but he's like, hey, I'm st- I still hate humans. So of course that clash was going to come, and it was it was just a phenomenal fight beginning to end. If you have not read No Bleeds, I definitely get, I definitely recommend giving it a read. Uh, coming at number forty one, Sato versus Monarch in Bento. So this is a troll series. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know what Bento is, it's a twelve episode series where it's literally a bunch of high schoolers fighting in supermarkets and other weird locations for half price uh, bentos late at night usually, and this was sort of the big fight to end the pretty much the first arc of the series and Sato it's Sato. It's actually Sato, the ice switch and, uh, the beauty by the lake versus Monarch, all of them teaming up to fight the big boss of the West side. Cause it becomes a whole story of the East, uh, fighters versus the West fighters in this whole thing. And he's been beat down and whatnot. And he shows up, um, he shows up in some weird crap. He ends up getting the name of Hetai Pervert, pretty much, because he shows up to a fight in a schoolgirl's outfit showing off his boxers. <laughs> and they're all this fun. It's just an overall arcing fight of just far better animation than, honestly, this series concept really deserves. <laughs> um, them just fighting it out of this grocery store, coming blows <laughs> to blows. And him just sort of throwing him away, and then finally Sato coming through and just... Nickel- clogging him one good one taking him out and claiming his spento for the night <laughs> coming in at number 40 we have regan versus the seventh division from mob psycho 100 joshy poo that's you my done friend. done i know okay. i know i had uh, i put it on mute for a second <laughs> God Sorry. dang it i do it i do it every week i don't know why you would ever expect me different from me um but no this fight is probably my favorite fight from old mob mob psycho and it's pretty much just a giant meme fight because Reagan's obviously like the wimpiest character in the entire series and is only in this fight because he got cut in the back and Mob went to like 100% and ended up transferring it to Reagan, Reagan who uh, basically just makes everyone look like they're just playing with toys and the entire time is just constantly insulting them. It, it's so good. All right, coming in at number 39, we have Team Light versus Ethan from Hardcore Leveling Warrior. So this is a fight I very enjoyed. It's pretty much the one of the fights climax to the end of the first season of Hardcore Leveling Warrior. And it's Ethan, who this whole entire time, after the very first chapter, he's been slowly leveling out back from level one after being top of the list. And him and his group has managed to come in the finals of the big... Uh, fighting tournament going on fighting against the light team light his group of cronies who are doing whatever they can to fight Ethan off and everything and claim whatever the reward is for themselves and it's a great moment because right before this Ethan gets killed again and what Ethan's special thing is he can steal other people's stats but if he dies he loses all stats immediately reverts back down to level one and has a hard reset so he just died. He sort of shows up in the basic noob gear, and everyone's just like, what is this joke? And then he uses a bunch of skills and everything to allow his buddy Dark to reset him, 
And he goes back to his former number one self. And it's just a great moment because this is first time in the series throughout the whole season of seeing him at his peak and everyone in the crowd and even uh, the three people on the other team going, shit. As soon as it happens. But besides Light, he, he's never dealt with Ethan when he was at the top. He has no fear. and He's just like, what is this? And it just ends up being a battle of Ethan wrecking all of them. He literally plays with them and just overall just doing what the number one does best, stomping the living shit out of everyone. He even takes a moment to let uh, Light, after he's taken out Light's cronies, to allow him to level up, acquire the power of the... Um, I can't remember, but the pretty much the Abyss power. And um, yeah, he wrecks that too, so... It's just Ethan very hard in the series stating at this point in time that we've always known he was number one at the, uh, at the top of the game, but this was showing off this is why he was number one. Coming at number 38, we have Jason versus Kaneki from Tokyo Ghoul. So Tokyo Ghoul is a series about a, you know, your typical beta anime character who gets <laughs> powers and instead of being a badass with those powers is just a mega crybaby. Yes. So up until this part of the show, you just watch this guy take L's. Like, I mean, on the daily basis. It's like he's Krillin and he's trying to go for Krillin's record. <laughs> yeah, basically. This guy is just L after L. Like, this guy is hoarding more L's than Taco Bell is with their sauces whenever <laughs> I try to ask for some. But so you know how you reach a point in an anime where the main character has decided that they're not going to be a beta anymore because you hear the opening theme play right before they're about to have a fight. Oh, yeah. So that's how you know that you're like, wait a second, this guy's not a beta anymore. He actually asked this girl out to prom. Only in this case, the the girl that he asks out to prom is actually just a maniacal, like, gang leader psychopath named Jason. You know, fitting. Hmm. Um He's basically just spent almost the entirety of this episode and the one before it torturing Kaneki until he finally snaps and is just like, you know what? Everybody hates me because I'm a ghoul, so I might as well just own it. Which results in one of probably my favorite just well-deserved ass whoopings of an antagonist in an anime that I've seen in a long time. And almost anybody that's watched, you know, anime or Tokyo Ghoul at least knows of the series just from the opening because it's been memed on so many Uh, different things or there have been, you know, numerous people on YouTube that have done covers of this song. You know, obviously there's Pelic, there's Jonathan Young. I mean, you know, there's, there's a ton of people that have done covers of this song because it's just got a lot of notoriety. Mm -hmm. Same with the fight. Coming in at number 37, we have the Spearhead Squadron versus the Legion slash Shin versus the Shepherd. This takes place, I believe it was episode 9 of 86, a series that came out this uh, past spring based on a light novel that I completely fed, uh, fell head over heels for. And this fight, man, it just it brought a lot of dread kind of leading up to it because everyone in Spearhead, the remaining five members of Spearhead, comes into this knowing that, yeah, we're going to die here. We know this is a suicide mission. The, 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 you 
you know, the empire is literally sending us here to die, you know, because we're, because of how much we've held on to things. And just as the, you know, they're, they're supposed to have like these weeks or months worth of supplies and they're running through ammo, like nothing. It's just like, I got to reload again. It's like, again, how much more ammo do we have? It's like, not much. We're about to get fucked. Uh, you know, Shin kind of moves ahead. Cause of course he can hear the voices of the Legion. He can hear his elder brother who is in the shepherd leading this front. And he wants to finish this job. He wants to kill his brother and get this out of the way and get it done. It's haunted him his entire life. And then of course our major waifu is, as Zach, as Zach calls her, steps in to kind of save the day with some uh, with some extra firepower from the sky, helping them out, taking over uh, Raiden's eye, you know eyesight to make sure she hits the shot, and just everything involving those four members of Spearhead fighting the Legion was absolutely incredible. But then Shin versus the Shepherd in just an action packed battle. And look, I'm like, it's like it's like what Zach said when it came to the music. I'm a sucker for scenes where the where like some bomb ass music starts playing because that was this moment, man. Shin is almost almost on his deathbed at this point, falling unconscious. His brother's going to finish the job. You know, Shin wakes up from major waifu, you know, Lena yelling at him and everyone else saying, yo, Shin, wake up. Cause Shin's getting his shit wrecked by this giant shepherd wakes up, got some kick-ass music playing and Shin finishes, manages to come through, finish the job, destroy the shepherd. And then of course has the, a very emotional scene afterwards of where all of Shin's memories of his brother, you know, start all coming back. And Shin, who has shown very little emotion throughout this entire series, you know, except just being like, you know, determined to kill everything around him in these fights, you know, finally breaks down in full tears, you know, remembering his brother and, you know, the fact that he finally got the job done. Uh, coming at number 36. Uh, so we actually couldn't, you know, we didn't end up coming to a decision on which one we wanted to go with. So briefly touch on both. This one's from a series called Sakamoto Days. We have Sakamoto versus Hard Boiled and Sakamoto versus Kashima. So this is definitely one of my favorite new series that's come out this year. And I personally enjoy both these fights. Um, Sakamoto versus Hard Boiled was the first real fight yep. in the series of where we see Sakamoto of him actually using his skills when he was an assassin and things like that versus hard boil. And that has a good moment of being showing, making you think, well, yeah, Sakamoto has retired and he's slowing down. And then we, for the second time get to see skinny moto and just the peak of him just going, these are my skills and wreck the crap of you. And which this uh, the chapter with hard boiled versus Sakamoto also gives us the long string of nice, wide shots and yep. just the two of them after their big fight chilling in a broken ferris wheel carousel just smoking yeah and hardboiled's <laughs> like you are hardboiled <laughs> and then sakamoto versus uh kashima which is one of the more recent chapters phenomenal yes it was is just another pinnacle of where hardboiled was sort of more on was a known assassin he was sort of on the lower end Kashima is sort of a killer that's sort of towards the higher list at this time, who's supposed to be sort of almost immortal. And he goes to fight Sakamoto, who he thinks is going to be easy. It's this big round tub dude who just literally fell on top of him. Yep. And which leads <laughs> to a long fight on freaking subway trains and just a whole thing of them fighting through these trains, Sakamoto dodging, moving people out of the way countering which leads to Kashima even throwing Sakamoto out of a window and Sakamoto's just like where are you going completely runs down the other train he was thrown into to trains, jump trains, lots back of trains. into the other train to finish wrecking Kashima's crap yeah when it came to that fight one of the best 
you know, moments is the end of the chapter where Kashima is kind of stepping up. It's like, all right, where'd he go? And you just see skinny Sakamoto right there. You're just like, shit's, about to, in the chair shit's about to get real. Skinny Moto is here. All right. This is a big one, guys. This is a big one. All right. Coming in at number 35, Josh, you know, you got to you, This is for your redemption story. Okay. You know, you got to knock this out of the park, man. This is uh Mashal versus Cell War. Mashal being a series that Josh absolutely despised when he first read it, and then it grew on him over time. So, Josh, this is up to you, man. This is for your redemption story. Knock this out of the park. I know. This should be that question I asked like 50 minutes ago. Are we doing the first fight with Cell War or the second? Both. Okay. That, that makes it easier then. All right. So, the first fight with Cell War takes place right after Mash fights Abel, uh, <laughs> which... He comes in with all his cream pots and ends up sneezing and throwing them all on uh, Cell War's crown. Um, the fight's pretty quick because um, Cell War's throwing out his uh, his carbon nugget and uh, Abel ends up help, helping Mash. Um, Cell War asks Mash what kind of uh, magic he uses and he goes, magic um, power. I love Mash so much. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it then punches Cell War in the face, cracking his, uh, I guess, his skin shield thing. Cell uh, War pulls out uh, a mirror, which everyone, at this point, I, nobody knows that Mash doesn't have magic. So they're just like, Mash, watch out. That thing's going to send any any spell you have right back towards you. And they're like, the only way we could beat this is without using magic. Mash will just kicks him in the face, and everyone's just like, magic? Magic? <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> Um, and then basically, uh, after Mash kicks him in the face, uh, Silver gets a little insignia on his hand and, uh, comes to a revelation, which we don't find out so much later, much later meaning now, because we're skipping ahead 30 chapters, um, to Mash versus Silver part two, where Silver tells Mash, uh, <laughs> nice to meet you again, which Mash responds to, yeah, it's been a while. It's that next to the entrance ceremony, right? He has no idea who he is. <laughs> Mash will completely so forgot. Like, so like, don't tell me you forgot. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know who you are. <laughs> uh, uh, in the fight, Mash was a lot faster and dodging a lot more. It's still worth attacks. Uh, to which Mash will respond, uh, I've seen him before, so they're kind of played out. Um, and then Silver makes these uh these diamond disc cutter things uh, to cut Mash up. It ends up cutting up the skull, which Mash remarks on. Um, and while Mash is trying to hit him, you notice while two of them are, are attacking, two are protecting, and comments that four is too many, too much. Um, then <laughs> what? Sorry, I like I had to pause for a second. I was like, I'm just gonna skip a bunch of this and just go to where Mash puts him in the in the headlock and basically like asphyxiates his brain and makes him feel hallucinations to win the fight. All right, so next up, coming in at number thirty four, we have Mori Jin versus Pandora, also known as Sujin Lee. This is going to be uh, in the next season of the God of High School anime. Is when this one should be taking place. It's season two of the Web whenever season. that happens. Yeah, whenever that happens. <laughs> Yeah, you've got that right. It takes place during the Ragnarok arc, which, in my opinion, out of what I've read of the webtoon so far, is 
hands down one of the, like the best part of this series so far for me. Um, part of what I really love about this fight is it's not one of the most um, out there fights in the series because throughout the series, everybody, almost everybody has what are referred to as borrowed powers or they're considered true fighters. Um, both of the people in this instance are both borrowed power users, yet this entire fight is just two students of two rivals duking it out as the world falls apart around them. And at the end of the fight, Sujin, you know, basically just wants to be left for dead. She admits that Mori's fighting style learned from his teacher, Taijin, is the superior of the two. But Mori still goes out of his way to save her. And, you know, typical anime style, they become friends. You'll love to see it. You'll love to see it. Coming to number 33, we have Shinra versus Sho from Fire Force. So if you guys know anything about Fire Force, you guys know that the animation in this series is just top-notch. And that is where this fight comes in and shines, being the climax of Season 1. Sho being, of course, Shinra's little brother, who he assumed had perished during that fire all those years ago. And then comes to find out that Sho is actually alive. And with this you know evil organization, Sho has no memory of Shinra. So throughout this entire fight Shinra just wants to get his brother back and try to you know remind him that hey we're brothers Sho has no idea what he's talking about Sho talks down to their mother Shinra shows off his unbelievable speed and gets up to show it's like yo don't talk about our mom like that dude and then as this fight goes on you get to see Sho's power where he's essentially able to freeze time but Shinra just continues to evolve in this fight where he's faster than that itself is that whenever Sho uses power he's just like Where's this motherfucker at? Because he can't find him. That's because Shinra was still moving so quickly. He had no idea what was happening. Uh, overall, you know, just the animation quality for this series, for this fight, was absolutely top-notch. This fight had so much weight behind it, especially the extra added weight when Sho remembers everyone, where he's just like, shit, this is my brother, and has that, that quick moment there, and then the, his uh, his comrades come in and basically like knock him out and be like, nah, fuck that. You're not going to remember this shit, and he ends up getting away. So it just it, it hits with, hits you in the gut where you don't get to see the conclusion that you want to see at the time. Uh, coming in at number 32, we have Jake versus Ben from Weak Hero. So this is Slugfest number two. Yep. These two A guys are Ben's the considered the leader of the group that we've been following all throughout the series of Weak Hero. Jake is the leader of the top group amongst all the different affiliated schools that Ben and the team's been taking out. And this is a very entertaining fight of just these two characters think very similar to each other. And because Jake doesn't tell any of his people where he's going, he just rolls up to the school and just like, yep. Ben, let's fight. Let's settle this. And Ben being Ben, he's just like, I'm down. He tells all his people to that it's just going to be him and Jake. And him and Jake just have a slugfest. Just being the ever-living crap out of each other, testing each other's um, strengths and weaknesses of how far each one of them will go. And like this spans a decent amount of time because it's more or less starts when the sun's setting. And by the time they're done, the sun has fully set. And there's a nice, nice moon in the sky. Yep. And these two have beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> Where Ben can barely stand up once he's won. And Jake's just out. 
And the best thing about this fight is just the pure respect yes. between them. Because, again, Jake's told his guy, you know, he didn't tell anyone going there. His guy showed up later. Ben told his guys, yo, step back. And even the even Ben's crew, they're like, no, no, no. We're staying out of this. Like, this is a, this is a very respectful match. And even after the fact, when Jake's team kind of comes in and fucks with some shit, you know, Jake even kind of gets them back his, on his own where he's just like, yo, I lost, guys. Ben, you won, and they kind of go their separate ways. I love those sort of fights, dude. Just pure, mm-hmm. pure respect. Uh, coming in at number thirty-one, we have Rock Lee versus Gara from Naruto. Yep, it's the only fight from Naruto I remember. Uh, the best <laughs> fight from Naruto, in my opinion. <laughs> Josh, this was your pitch, so let's knock it out. It of the was, part. it was my pitch. Yeah, uh, so I mean, I really like this fight just it because is good. you know during the tune-in exams and Gara's just being like. Everyone's pretty much afraid of, of Gara and just kind of controlling this fight with Broccoli until guys like, yo, take him off. And he just takes off his uh his ankle weights and. What are a few weights gonna do? Yeah, what are a few weights are gonna a few do? Weights? Yeah, what are a few weights gonna do until they just crash to the ground in a giant explosion? Yeah, and just starts unleashing this this flurry of kicks and punches to to Gara. Yeah, it was. It's a really good fight. I, met, I I will never forget that moment as a kid watching that episode for the first time, and just the weight just poof, making the giant explosion, Rockley just thing, disappearing. The thing I can't forget yeah. from the preliminaries is uh, Kiba losing to a fart. Ooh, that's true. Ooh. <laughs> shout out, <laughs> shout out, shout out, shout out. Uh, coming in at number thirty, this one's more of a recent one. We have uh, Rengoku versus Akaza from the Demon Slayer movie. So I'd like to allude back to the uh, Jake versus Ben scenario that you guys were just talking about a minute ago. The respect. I, the respect. Yeah. That's one of the things about this fight that I just loved was you've got this entire story takes place on a train, and then, you know, after they get off the train, basically, due to it, you know, wrecking, you've got an upper moon. The first upper moon we see on the screen yep. for, throughout the entire anime at this point, and a Hashira fighting. The only Hashiro we had seen fight any throughout the series up until this point was Tomioka. And, um, oh my god, the butterfly girl. I'm blanking on her name right now. I always blank on her name unless I'm actually reading or actively watching at the moment. But, um, you know, they're the only two we've seen fight at any point up until this. So it's just nice to see this respect that these two have for each other. You know, Rengoku recognizing that this is an upper moon, the upper noon upper moon recognizing that this is a, a Hashira specifically a flame Hashira, which I believe Akasa had mentioned that that's the only kind of Hashira he hasn't killed before. Yep. So I'm just like, Oh, okay. Well, so this guy's an asshole, but like this whole fight is just Akasa trying to go with this guy on and convince him, man, you should be a demon. Yeah, you join should, me. We can be, fight you forever. You should be, a, be an upper moon with us, and we can spar forever, and you can be you can build your skills so much more if you become a demon. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number 29, we have Saitama versus Boros from One Punch Man. This is basically, this is one, some of the pinnacles of One Punch Man, of course, and just how beautiful the animation is. Okay. Because in this, yes, okay, okay. gave us that beautiful <laughs> meme that I still use to this day all the time. But no, this fight, like, while, while it was ultimately, let's be honest, at, in the end, a one-sided affair, as they all are, that's the meme of this show. It's just, we got to give a shout out to this fight because the animation quality is top 
fucking notch. I started watching One Punch Man because I saw a clip of Saitama versus Genos, and I'm like, wow, that is animated beautifully. And I rode with it ever since. And this is the same fight where this is the first time where Saitama almost somewhat kind of gets a challenge. He does use a serious punch to finish it off, but everything about the fight is absolutely phenomenal. Obviously, you know, again, like I said earlier, I'm a sucker for some kick-ass music. The intro did play in this fight, which was awesome, added to it. Saitama jumping off the moon, coming back down to earth with getting the serious punch to finish it overall, a great fight. But I also want to give a shout out. I very much debated not putting this one on here, but instead putting the dream fight that Saitama had, because that was, that was a really good (laughs) fight. I loved the dream fight. That almost made the list. I want that record to be known coming in at number 28. Another one of Zach's slugfest. We have Yusuke versus Chu from Yu Yu Hakusho. This is classic slugfest yep. for anyone who's watched anime in the nineties. You more likely watch Yu Yu Hakusho. You more likely watch the dark tournament. This was the first sort of boss fight equivalent. Yeah. The first leader of one of the groups. And before this, so they used to have a whole like two episodes fighting each other with their powers and whatnot. And they both just exhaust each other to the, to the point where they both can barely move. They both recognize that. And Chu just goes, which in Chu's weird American in the American dub is Australian for some reason. Uh, so we're going to have us a good old knife edge death match. <laughs> and it's two knives sticks them in the ground. And it's just like, Place your foot on that knife, and I'll place my foot here, and we're going to beat the shit out of each other. If you step back, you cut your foot. <laughs> and that's what the two do for an entire episode. Just beat the shit out of each they other. They just punch each other nonstop. It's not as animated as well as a lot of things nowadays, but for the time, it was animated phenomenally. Just the dark, the atmosphere, the tone of music, just the whole showing the audience animated of how they're reacting to this. That was that hand-drawn action back in the 90s. Yep. yep. If you haven't noticed, Zach really just enjoys a good beatdown, a good old slugfest. I mean, when you say fight, I want an actual fight. Yeah, he wants a slugfest. All right, all right. Uh, Coming in at number 27, we have Hasoka versus Corolla from Hunter x Hunter. All right, so this is a a manga-only fight of the anime. Sad. kind of ended. Rip. Yep. Um, And personally, it's probably, in my opinion, the best fight in the entire series, uh, just because it's, it's it's a big payoff that we've been waiting a long time for, because his Soka's main goal was to fight Krolo. And um, before this, Krolo, you know, lost his min ability. So coming into this fight, you know, we don't really know if he has it back. We kind of assume he does since Green Island. And not only does he have it back, but he has a whole bunch of new min abilities uh, to use, um, which aids in his fight. And it's just, Oh man, it's so good. Um, all these abilities and stuff, I can't even remember all of them. Um, but ultimately, uh, Hisoka ends up losing, from what I remember, uh, getting his face blown off and his hand and uh, basically almost dying. Um, I really wish the anime would have would have gotten to this fight. It's so it's so good, and I can only imagine what it looked like animated. Well, Josh, I can uh, definitely relate to you on that one because uh, later on in the show, I do have a manga-only set of fights that I do wish could have been animated, so I understand your pain. Coming in at number 26, one of the two 
greatest feelings of satisfaction payoff that I've ever experienced in a series, both of which being in this series, this being the four cardinal heroes versus the Pope. The satisfaction that I'm referring to is the fact where everyone kind of realizes that S.H.I.E.L.D. hero is not a piece of shit, that it's this church, the Pope, doing all this fucked up stuff. And then, of course, I'm re- the other satisfying moment I'm referencing is when mine gets found out to be a giant, massive bitch. But four cardinal heroes versus the Pope. I've got four words for you about this fight. Here we go. Dark, shield, blood, sacrifice. Yep. When he said, when now Fumi says that shit, and the Pope's just like, that shield, you know, quite shaken, naturally. And then just this big pendulum, goofy thing of teeth pops out of the ground, swallows him up. The Pope's got his. Holy spear of <laughs> unparalleled power that gets snapped in half like a fucking stick. Yep. And he's just like, this shouldn't be happening to me. I'm God's chosen chomp. 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 <laughs> and when it comes to this fight, you know, of course, this is the first time where all four of the heroes of, of this world work together. Yep. But in terms of the blood sacrifice, man, just that uh. pause, that pause of when he does it, everything's kind of still and quiet, and you just see blood pop all out of the <laughs> yep. movie. Everyone's like, what the fuck? What the fuck just happened? Even like, he's like, what? <laughs> it's like one of those little party poppers that yep. you just pull the string on and just shoots out everywhere. And everybody knows then, like, everybody knows what what's happening there yep. when that happens. But that was just incredibly satisfying to see that Pope get what he had yep. coming to him. Yep. Coming in at number 25, two. This is number two in terms of the most mineral moments from this series, in my opinion, of these fights. This is... This is part of the peak of this series, and that is from Fairy Tale Team Natsu versus Hades on the Tenora Island arc. This fight featuring Natsu, Urza, Gray, Wendy, Lucy, the normal crew that you expect fighting Hades, who is the former second guild member of Fairy Tale, who's come to try to basically fuck everything up and get you know Fairy Tale stuff that's on the island. But the two things that make this fight great, everything leading up to it was phenomenal. This team, they've already gone through fight after fight on this island. They're exhausted, but hey, they're here to finish the fucking job but in this fight there are two moments that really stick out and make this fight stand above most of the rest of fairy tales number one the return of my boy loxus who of course loxus turned you know he was an asshat early on in the series you know he went about his separate ways but you know even though he went about his separate separate ways Mokroff still you know shot up the sign where it's like yo we still got you you're still a member of fairy tale he comes in for the first time since then to help protect them and fight for fairy tale after being an asshat to fairy tale earlier on and then once he's going down fires his lightning at natsu to introduce flame lightning dragon mode for natsu and is putting the beat down on hades this is peak fairy tale the last two seasons of fairy tale they've got some good stuff it's not bad but the the original series is the peak of fairy tale and this is one of two fights from that that stick out the most uh coming in at number 24 seraphine versus john from the webtoon unordinary so this was a fight that everyone reading this was waiting for for hundreds of chapters. Yep. This was the encounter we everyone knew was going to happen. We just we wanted it to happen. It just took forever to happen, but we got it and it was exactly what we wanted. Yep. Cuz it was just a absolute great build up of John's descent into power madness. He lost his hair gel and he lost his way. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Jailed John was best John. <laughs> Jesus. Which is debatable now because natural hair John became pretty popular in the air. Towards yeah. The yeah, but I mean, natural hair John is very popular with me just because it's like, well, we're, it's nice to see you actually using your powers in any kind of way right. towards yeah. something that you want to change. But yeah, no. Throughout this entire series, John has fell into a power hole of just everyone's out to get him. Only strength is the only thing. And just Seraphine, his best friend, who he's pushed away slowly, she comes back with powers that were lost very early in the series. And it's just there to wake John up. She never gave up on John. She was not going to give up on John. And she pushed her way through to get to him, to make him understand that this is not the way it needs to be. And pretty much smack some sense into him, which leads into his whole redemption that we get, get towards the end of that season and leading into what we're hoping is going to be a great redemption arc overall whenever that series God, comes I'm back. God, I'm waiting for the new season, man. Yeah. yeah. When it comes to that fight, the two things that stick out to me the most when it comes to this whole thing is, one, the the simple buildup of every single time Seraphine would talk to someone about John, she would specify he's beaten everyone except me yeah. because she hasn't had her powers up to that point. And then, man, shout out to the chapter before the fight actually started where she saved Arlo, and and, mm-hmm. the, and I'm drawing a blank on the other character's name. And Remy. She, yeah, Remy, thank you. And mm-hmm. uh, Seraphine just steps up and says, John, we need to talk. And that's the end of the chapter. And then the next chapter, also shout out the longest chapter in ordinary history for that fight. Phenomenal, 10 out of 10. Uh, coming in at number 23, we have Luffy versus Doflamingo from One Piece. Yeah, so this fight, like all One Piece fights, is pretty lengthy, so I'm just going to start it where it gets good. There you um, go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is basically when Luffy's back into the corner by Doflamingo and uh, announces that he's going to use his new secret technique, mm-hmm. uh, which is Gear 4 Bounce Man. Uh, Doflamingo comments that, you know, what's he going to do? What's Bouncing going to do to him? Um which Luffy uses his Kong gun and knocks him like three buildings away into uh, in, into downtown. Um, and the rest of the fight is pretty much just a pummel fest of Luffy just destroying uh, Del Flamingo up until um, the Luffy's 10 minutes um, is up, or his time limit is up on Gear 4, and he has to wait the 10 minutes for his pocket to reform. Uh, at which time Doflamingo basically reveals that his devil fruit is awakened, which before this, you know, no one had really ever heard of a devil fruit awakening aside from, you know, being held down wardens um, or jailers, sorry. Uh, so he's able to just basically turn everything into strings and just use it to attack. Um, so everyone's basically trying to play keep away with Luffy, trying to keep Luffy away from Doflamingo. But Doflamingo is basically just destroying everybody else until Luffy's able to come back in and, uh, Gets beat up for a little bit before uh, Doflamingo tries to turn Luffy into a puppet, which Luffy's able to break free of by going gear forth and uh, delivering one final King Kong blow to Doflamingo and knocking him out. And also, shout out, this: uh, the start of this fight is one of my favorite single shots in One Piece of when Doflamingo was previously just kind of like stomping on Law, and Luffy just comes up, and, and when Doflamingo goes to stomp, Luffy just puts his foot up where Doflamingo's foot is on top of Luffy's foot, and Luffy's just staring up at him, and they're about to fucking throw down. That is one of my favorite shots in One Piece. It's a dope-ass shot. Yeah, it's really good. See, I've never actually watched... Well, I won't say I've never watched One Piece, because I did watch it a long time ago, and it originally first was doing a run on Adult Swim, 
but I have not read any One Piece, and I even know the scene that you're talking that about. That is an awesome shot. I See, love I that have shot. seen the shot, and I didn't know what any of like the premise was to it, but I knew that there was about to be some fucking action going down. Yes, yes, and that is correct. Speaking of action, number coming at number 22, we have Ichigo versus Bakuya from Bleach. Bakuya, sorry. No, you're good, you're good. Um, So for me, this fight was really kind of like the entire buildup of the first yes entire yep. like the first, first main arc. all yeah. of the show builds up to this point in my opinion because you've got Byakuya who tells Ichigo after he just beats his ass in the human world to take Rukia and try her for treason basically uh you know he tells her you know you're not a soul reaper and you'll never be able to be as strong as any of us anyways you're just a dirty substitute <laughs> and from that point on like you wouldn't have any of the rest of the show if it weren't for what happens as a result of this fight between Ichigo and Byakuya. Ichigo takes all these W's just building his way up to here, you know, comes to fight Byakuya and, you know, they're clashing swords and he says, he brings out his Bankai and Byakuya cannot believe this shit. He's just like, the audacity of this man to say Bankai to me? Like, you, who are you? You ain't got no Bankai. Like, look at that thing. It's a regular-looking sword. It's just a black fucking Shikai. Get the fuck out of here, dude. And then, Byak- well, Byakuya can't fucking hit him. Byakuya is struggling. This man's got some Bankai. So, you know, they duke it out. And part of the hardest part about this fight for Byakuya, I think, is that Deep down, I think he knows Ichigo's in the right here for trying to rescue Rukia. And it's just like, dude, what are you doing? That's like your family, man. Are you really gonna you really gonna forsake your family over some bullshit little rule? And this is where we get which which is why I say this is pivotal to the whole series, because you have Soul Society, the Gote 13, all of the people involved in this change as a result of this fight. They start to think, well, maybe the way that we've been running the show for the last ever, maybe there's room for some wiggle room here. And then the things start to change. If they, if this fight hadn't happened and if everybody hadn't changed, well, everybody be doing the Eisen song right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Coming in at number 21, we have the Von Gola ring conflict from Hitman Reborn. This being the first real major arc of this series. We had the Moroku arc. We had the Daily Life arc. But this is this is where it really takes off and becomes more of a serious shown in this series, of course, leading off originally as like a comedy slice of life, and it slowly developed. But uh, this arc being, um, you know, the chosen 10th generation Von Gola family going up against the Varya to decide who is going to actually be the 10th family, battling one after the other, sun versus sun, lightning versus lightning, storm versus storm, etc. And each one of these fights, all very quick, they all in a very quick succession night after night, each of them bringing different elements that just make it fantastic. Of course, the only appearance in the entire fucking series of 20-year Lambo, one of the greatest little moments of like 10-year Lambo jumps into the, the bazooka again, it's like, Oh, what's going to happen this time? And you get the badass of 20-year Lambo. You have Suna slowly developing more and more as, you know, getting more confidence to be a fighter. Yamamoto's fight versus Squall was fantastic because in that fight, Yamamoto had the realization, you know, because Squall, Squall said he already beat a swordsman who used the same sword style as Yamamoto at one point and called out Yamamoto's next stance. And, and Yamamoto's like, 
the fuck? That's not my next stance. That's when Yamamoto realized that, oh, what makes his sword technique so great is that each person that learns the stances up to a certain point, they create their own stance and just continues to evolve and branch in all different ways. Uh, the Moroku fight was absolutely phenomenal as well because it kind of gave a side of Moroku where it's just, uh, you know, where it's like, oh, maybe he's not as much of an asshole. And then, of course, the the big finale of Suna versus Zanzas. You know, Zanzas, who believes that he is the son of the ten, of the ninth boss and believes he's the rightful heir to the tenth. Suna creating his own technique in this fight, as well as using the first technique as well. Everything about this arc is absolutely phenomenal, and it is some it is some peak stuff when it comes to Hitman Reborn, a series that I hold very near and dear to my heart. Uh, coming in at number 20, we have Yuji and Toto versus Hanami from Jujutsu Kaisen. Now, this is one of the biggest fights of this year that anyone that's watching Anime Night right now probably saw this fight yep. or saw a clip of this fight. I haven't even seen the show, but I've seen the fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And freaking, this is just an overall just top animated fight. Music's great. Fighting this um, great spirit, Hanami, of the forest or plants. I don't know if it ever specified exactly what Haname, Haname was, but and just Yuji and Toto just tag teaming that shit, punching, just knocking their block around, throwing them off with Toto's first real reveal of Oogie Boogie. Love it. And we get the whole weird clap, clap, clap. clap. Love, love the claps, love the faces. <laughs> <laughs> and just him using his ability of switching and just uh, Yuji following through, just. Constantly hit after hit yep. after hit, messing with Haname to the point where Haname's got to run away. <laughs> Next up, coming in at number 19 versus Zagrid from Black Clover. This, of course, being the main devil from the entire first half of the series. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, obviously it falls right after the elves. Uh, so it's a good chance to see basically the humans and the elves coming together to stop a common enemy, yep. uh, which they all know at this point had been Zagra the entire time. Um, and basically everyone in the series gets a chance to fight in this more or less. Um, yeah, everyone get, has their moment. Yeah, you get Lich, uh, Yami, Charlotte, uh, Asta, you know, the former Wizard King. Um, so, yeah, I, I honestly couldn't tell you very much about it. I've for very little. That's my bad. Not enough I would say the biggest thing that is an awesome takeaway from this fight <laughs> is definitely the conclusion. Once again, I've said it like three other fucking times. You get the music coming into play, it's automatically a great scene. But as soon as like that, that music starts to come in and just the awesome moment of Yami, who's pretty far away from the central part of the fight, fires out a dark dimension slash that just ro- goes through multiple layers of where they are, cuts the devil in half, and everyone's like, what the fuck was that? They came out of nowhere. And Asa's like, oh shit, that's Yami's magic. The best part I is... Think, I think I've seen part of this fight yeah. too. Yeah, the best part of that is Yami literally just went, oh, we'll escape this way. No intention whatsoever <laughs> to hit the demon. Just a big yeet. Yeah. That's all, that's, that is the finest definition of a yeet. It's like, all right, well, let's see if this works. And <laughs> just fires it off. Absolutely phenomenal, man. Coming in at number 18, All Might versus All for One in My Hero Academia. So the villains throughout this series have all just been like really neat characters to me. And I've just, I've grown to love most of them. Uh, You know, if anybody that's watching the series is probably, you know, I haven't read the manga, but I mean, I'm a Stain fan and I'm pretty sure a lot of people are. And I know that there's a lot of Stain action coming up in the manga. 
that I have yet to see myself because I'm fucking 8 million years behind. But I remember watching this fight and like, this was like the first time I had seen, um, all for one. And I was just like, who the fuck's this guy? What's going on here? Because, you know, I was just an anime watcher and I was like, this, this shit is hype. Like, I think the real first fight that I was really hyped about was Deku versus Shoto. No, not Shoto. It was, um, overall muscular, muscular Deku versus muscular was hype for me. And most of the fights after that were pretty hype for me, but this fight was in a whole league of its own for hype. Like I was, I was on the edge of my seat watching this shit. I'll tell you what, I felt like I was one of those people watching this shit on the TV in the show. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, right. and at the end of it, when the dust settles after this massive beatdown, All Might's been taken. You just see him standing there with his hand up and everybody screams. And I remember, I remember everybody screaming because I screamed. <laughs> Let's <laughs> fucking go. That's why that's what sticks out. And the big thing about this fight that carries a lot of weight for it as well is just the revealed secret of All of All Might's truth to the world. Yep. You know, which you know, just further add to the fight of him just really holding on to the last bit of embers to finish the fight. You're next. Yep, and you're, you're next. next. You're next. You're where, next. Where everyone it's was your just, turn. Where everyone was just like, oh yeah, he's gonna beat all the villains, and then Deku's the only one where yeah, he he's just like, just like, oh shit, he's done. Oh, he's fuck. like, oh fuck, no, this guy's <laughs> retiring, man. Oh man, that fight sticks out for a lot of reasons. Coming at number seventeen, this is the pinnacle, the absolute peak of fairy tale, and that is Natsu and Gajiel versus Sting. And Rogue at the Grand Magic Games. This actually being the final fight, the final two episodes of the first part of the series, and you know this is a fight that's been built up for so long because this one, this is when you get introduced in this arc to the third generation Dragon Slayers, being Sting and Rogue of the White and the uh, Black Dragons, and th- this fight being built up between these two Dragon Slayers who have built up their names throughout the seven year time skip and the two OGs that they looked up to, you know, who are now back from that seven year slumber on the island, whatever. This fight. Brought, had everything good about fairy tale all packed in one, including the great finale of it, of where they end up falling through the stadium and Natsu just like basically kicks Gajiel in a fucking train cart and throws him down a cave. And Natsu's like, "Bye, Gajiel, I'm gonna take it from here," you know. And then it's just the epic little moment of Natsu holding up his hands, spelling "Come on," you know, or bring it with with fires on his fingers and fighting both of them at the same time and unleashing one of his finishing moves. It's also shout out to this series when. When people in fairy tale use their finishing move, it's fucking legit because they never use their finishing move. So shout out to that. that, you know, that shout out to that big time. But no, everything about this fight uh, is literally the pinnacle of fairy tale. Coming in at number sixteen, we have Jin Wu versus the Architect in solo leveling. This is another real great build up fight because this is the fight where we weren't sure if it was coming. We all hoped it was coming, and then we got it. And it was exactly what we needed. Jinwu went through this weird trial, which led to him becoming a player and acquiring this system. He becomes a great hunter and goes, gains all this fame, deals all this thing, grants the shadow, shadow army. And then he returns to the place where it all started to fight the architect, the one who put the system in him, the one who was there to make him the vessel for the shadow monarch to be reborn. And the architect's just like, well, it's time. Turns off the system, turns off all his abilities, and all Jinwoo gets a last mission of, 
win in this time limit or die. Yep. And Jinwoo has none of his abilities. He just has his skills and strength that he's gained over the past, like, year or so, give or take. Uh, since he got the system, and has to fight all the statues, fight the architect himself, even to the point of more or less standing that this is my power now. Fuck off. <laughs> Coming in at number 15, we have Versus Father, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Yeah, this is a, another one of those fights where basically everybody gets gets a chance to, to pitch in. Um, so at first we, you know, everyone's basically trying to attack Father using anything they can, their alchemy, just random things they find, uh, and nothing works. He pretty much blocks them all. Um, even Edwards comes in and tries to, you know, tries to get a few in on him and nothing works. So uh, Greed comes in and punches him in the face but doesn't really punch him in the face and basically just gets stuck um and from there just ends up absorbing greed at some point it's been a minute since i watched this and i'm trying to remember from reading like a wiki i'm sorry um thanks for the nervous laugh um (laughs) (laughs) Here's more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'll wrap it up fast. Um, so, anyway, Ed ends up getting his his human arm back and yeah. uh, is able to create alchemy without stones or any or not stones, uh, symbols or anything, and uh, ends up just taking Father by surprise, and in the end, ends up killing him. Um, yeah. Coming at number fourteen, we have Naruto versus Pain. So one of the things about this fight that was particularly nice is you start off the fight like you do with, you know, most of your larger-than-life big bads. Just, they come in with, like, a doctor's pad, basically, and they're just handing out prescription L's for everybody that's a main character in Naruto at this point in time. So Payne's just walking through the village, just like, here's your L, here's your L. Oh, hey, Kakashi, you're pretty popular. Here's your permanent L, you're dead. Uh, here's your L to everybody else. And, you know, you've got pain. He's just like, you know what? There's a faster way to do this. So he just decides to level the entire village to, like, literally just a flat plane with one jutsu. So he does it. And Naruto comes in, and, they're, you know, he's just like, where the hell did you summon us, man? This isn't the village. Yeah, well, this is yeah, the village. Yeah, this is the village. You see that shit back there? And you got your Hokage Mount Rushmore <laughs> over <laughs> overlooking nothing. And everybody's just like, well, well, shit. And then, you know, you start this fight with Pain, you know, looking at everybody. He tries to send his, he's like, you know what, whatever, dude. We'll get, we'll get, we'll deal with you when we got the time. Goes to attack the Hokage and... Naruto's like, nah, son, your business was with, with me. One shot's one of the pain clones. Like, it's not yep, shit. Yep. And, you know, then he proceeds to just fucking, you know, he's just like, oh, hey, I hear you're handing out L's. Are you taking these? And hands them <laughs> back to all of the pain clones. You know, you end up with Naruto pretty much one-handedly just beating the shit out of the pain clones until it's down to a 1v1. Yep. And then you've got 
an amazing fight as long as you don't pause it. Yeah, don't pause the Just fight. Just don't pause don't it. Pause. Like, yeah, don't the pause. animation's great as long as you guys don't pause. Just don't fucking God. pause. Whatever you do, don't pause, please. Um, but, like, it's a great fight. Like, anybody that's wa- anybody that's a fan of Shippuden is a fan of this fight, I'd say. I mean, I feel like that's a fair statement to make. You don't get much more hype throughout Naruto. Than at least three the toads showing part. up in a... No, no village. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> shit. You don't get much more hype from from this fight until you get to see you get to see the shit going on in the Ninja War. That's where yeah. you get a lot of hype. Yeah, and when but, it comes to this fight, you know, some of the you know had one of the the reveals we've been waiting on forever mm-hmm. with the fourth Hokage. Uh, you know, Naruto absolutely losing his shit, almost releasing the full nine tailed fox. But then one of my personal favorite moments was early in the fight where he goes to use Rasengan Shuriken. And he fucking throws it. And the Toad yep. Sage is yep, like, yep. did he just throw that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a great moment with the Toad Sage. What? That shouldn't be possible. Yeah, <laughs> like, the, the whole time about that. this jutsu, everybody's just like, damn, this jutsu sucks. Because like, it's just fucking up your arm every yeah. time you use it. It'd be a lot better if you could throw it. And he's just like, I, Boom, I'm going to head out. <laughs> he's like, what if I let go of this thing? <laughs> Coming in at number 13, we have versus Jiren in Dragon Ball Super. So Jiren, you know, basically built up as this unstoppable monster. And every portion of the fight with him is absolutely incredible. Part one of the fight where it's the introduction of Ultra Instinct and Goku. Well, that's the first part of the legitimate fight. You know, they try to they try to fight him beforehand. It just gets their shit wrecked left and right. But Ultra Instinct versus Goku later on when you have the mastered Ultra Instinct versus, I believe they called it like the Burning Blazing Warrior or something like that for what Jiren. Jiren's transformation, which is similar to Ultra Instinct. And then, of course, the grand finale of Goku, Frieza, and 17 fighting Jiren to f- finish it off, which when it came to that fight and watching it uh, in, you know, for the first time, you know, watching it at, when, as soon as the episode released, uh, you never thought a team-up you wanted to see was Goku and Frieza, but the team-up was absolutely phenomenal between them. And, you know, the one main reason why this fight had to make the list is because it's not very often when you have a, a new episode of something launch where it's so heavily in demand, it literally makes the, the you know, in this case, Crunchyroll completely crash, which happened with this entire tournament arc of Dragon Ball Super like three different times. The grand finale, the Ultra Instinct versus Jiren, I think Ultra Instinct Goku versus Kefla. I think Crunchyroll literally crashed when these new episodes launched. So big shout out to that. Now I'm coming at number 12. We have Bloody Halloween from Tokyo Revengers. Now this was a fight that was... It's a very entertaining fight because it's the second big fight of uh, Toman versus Valhalla, and which we had in Battle of 8-3, but this is the first fight where the entire group is there from the start to finish. And it's just an overall good spread of just Toman fighting, everything, getting to see freaking Dragon, because Dragon sort of got neutered in 8-3, but this yep. shows off Dragon where Dragon is a beast. He literally runs into Valhalla like a whirlwind, literally throwing, literally grabbing guys by their heads and throwing them at other guys <laughs> and everything. Takamichi showing that for some reason he has a weird charisma of being able to push people past their limits when everyone else has given up and Dragon's thinking he's got to protect everyone. Takamichi comes in, windmilling for no reason, not looking. <laughs> and everyone goes, what the hell is this guy doing? And all the Tellman's going, he's still fighting. We can fight. Let's go wreck some shit. <laughs> then we get the whole Baji thing of Baji joining Valhalla. And really, he's not with Valhalla. He's actually a spy. And he's trying to fight off Kisuke. Baji just literally being stabbed by Kazutora. 
shrugging that shit off and continuing on his rampage until he just can't anymore. Tagamichi intervening between Mikey and Kazutora. Just an overall great um, fight and showcasing each of these characters in different ways in the series. Coming in at number 11, we have the Paramount War from One Piece. Yeah, this one's kind of hard to talk about because it's not just a fight, it's an entire arc. Yeah. Um, there's so many so many characters, so many moving pieces, so it's just easier to condense it. Um, it's one of the biggest and best battles in One Piece, um, and it definitely changes a lot of things going forward, especially... Um, you know, shaking up the world government because in this fight we have we have the Marines, the Admirals, the Fleet Admiral, we have the Whitebeard Pirates, we have Luffy and all the prisoners from Impel Down, um, and it's just a gigantic war. Um, and in this, we end up getting uh, we end up getting the death of Whitebeard, the death of Ace, uh, the reveal that Blackbeard can steal other people's devil fruit. Shanks coming in to save the day, Luffy witnessing Ace die, getting the scar on his chest from Ake Inu, um, you know, a bigger bond between Luffy and Jinbei, which comes into play later. Uh, we get to see a lot of the warlords in action. Moria comes back. Uh, Crocodile is there, so on Luffy's side. Um, we find out that uh, Doflamingo is there to basically kill Moria for losing to Luffy. Um we get the reveal that uh, Ace is the son of Gold Roger, the former king of the pirates who started this entire story, um, which at the time was a huge shocking reveal. Um, you know, we get to see the first interaction between Buggy and Shanks for the first time since the series began, knowing <laughs> beforehand that they had been on the same crew together. Um, and we get kind of this bond between Law and Luffy, which is still in play right now, where Towards the end of the war, Luffy is the one that ends up, or Law is the one that ends up saving Luffy's life um, and healing him from the wound left by Akainu. Um, and this fight also comes comes into play later on as it uh, determines it ends up splitting the admirals uh, once uh, uh, Fleet, Fleet Commander Sengoku steps down. Uh, Akainu and Akiji end up going at it to become to who's going to become the new Fleet Admiral. So overall, like the fights. And it are amazing. The art, one of the best ones. And like I said, everything that happens in it kind of shakes up the story of One Piece going forward. Well, boys, we are here. We're about to hit the top ten. I do want to give a shout-out to a couple of honorable mentions. When it comes to these honorable mentions, there were some that just didn't make the cut for one reason or another, whether it's just, eh, you know, it's good, but just didn't make it. And there are some that just couldn't make it because we're trying to be respectful. Examples like Goku and Vegeta, Goku versus Jackie Chun, Goku Dare versus Gamma, Jiraiya and Pain, Madara, Mike Guy, um, you know, and then some some that just could not make it, like Deku and Shigaraki, Shiki versus Dragon Joe from Eden Zero, the Kanto incident from Tokyo Avengers uh so many great fights that we'd love to shout out and really talk about more but just didn't really make the cut if, if there's any fights that you're a huge fan of that's not on this list so far please let us know down in the comments below and also shout out to Gar versus Elsa from ReZero which is the uh the hippo death one of the best moments in Animan Plus history of where Josh almost forgot to mention that she dies from a hippo and when he tells us me and Zach lose our absolute shit because of how stupid and hilarious that was with that said, let's jump into the top 10 and close out the show. Coming in at number 10, I don't want to butcher this guy's name, so Diaz, I'm leaving it to you. Ichigo versus who? 
Ukiorda. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, whereas we have Byakuya and Ichigo being the build-up fight of the first arc of the show, I would almost say that this fight between Ichigo and Ukiorda is really the build-up of the second arc. I mean, you know, the arc is all about Aizen, but at the same time, from this character's introduction to kidnapping Orihime from Karakura Town up until this fight in Hueco Mundo, I've just been wanting to see Ichigo hand and nail to this guy the whole time. And I think Ichigo's been wanting to do the same thing. Ichigo has had his ass beaten by numerous Espadas, specifically before this guy, there was Grimjow. Now, when Ichigo finally manages to land an actual hit on Ukiorda, he's just like, you know, if I beat you here, I bet I stop this whole war because you're probably the strongest Espada. To which Ukiora reveals his numbered sign as four. And Ichigo is like, what? And Ukiora tells him, yes, if you beat me here, it means nothing because there are three more people stronger than me, Fuck. not counting Aizen himself. And then we go into the fight. And when these two fight, they have to leave Hueco Mundo and fight above it because he tells Ichigo, if I were to release all of my power here, it would destroy the place. And basically that would make Aizen unhappy. So they go up above Hueco Mundo, which I think I've watched videos on YouTube of this fight where it's just from start to finish shy or over two hours long, Mm -hmm. just cuts of this fight alone. And man, oh man, is it a trip from start to finish. You get to see all kinds of crazy shit, like finding out that Ukiora is the only Espada that has a second resurrection release, which apparently makes him even fucking stronger than when he was fucking handing Ichigo's L, his L's left and right. Which still makes no sense to me. It never did because the fact that even with that, he's still only four. Yeah, even with, well, the thing is he had explained that his second release was something that not even Aizen knew he had. So it's, you know, you get the theory that maybe Okiora is a little bit stronger than four where he was placed, but you don't really know it for sure. Um, One of the badass things that we get to see come out of this fight is not only just the second resurrection of Ukiora, but we also get to see Ichigo go full-blown Vasto Lord, which is not just a little bit of hollowfication, but it's full hollowfication. Ichigo's got the hole through his chest and everything, goes full-blown hollow, completely decimates Ukiora, and we come to find out more about these hollow powers and what they really are later on when you get into the Blood War arc, which will finally be fucking animated. Bless all the powers above. <laughs> it was supposed to happen this year. And, yep. it got put, and we're just well, now you know, assuming it's going to happen next year. That's the good old COVID for you. But, yep. you know, we'll see what we get next year. Hopefully it'll be worth the wait. I think it will be because Been a long while, time while they're not on our list, there are... God, so oh yeah, there's so 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 so, so many fights in there that I could have made a fucking ten list or a fifteen list out of just that arc. Right. 
Coming in at number nine, we have Austin Yami versus Dante from Black Clover. This, of course, being really the true uh, the true peak of the ending of Black Clover. I know that you know the last ep- couple episodes we had uh, Austin versus his devil, but this is really where it really peaked out for the end of uh, the the anime of Black Clover. And everything about this fight leading up to it was absolutely just and fun to watch. Of Dante just coming in, just completely wrecking the few black bulls that are there. Austin putting up a fight very briefly when he kind of loses his shit and just you know unleashes more of his devil powers but still just ends up really fucking with his body and he can't really continue on any further and Yami coming in being the badass that he is saving the day but then Yami even finding out shit I can't really beat this guy on my own you know Asta pretty much having almost nothing left until Yami's just like I can't win this one without you you know with, with without you uh, Asta and then you know those two having the ultimate team up the one thing that's awesome about Black Clover this fight and a couple other for examples, Black Clover, the animators for this show, they really take Black Clover and it's like this is their personal playground yeah. because they do a lot of wild stuff with the animation of these fights that just absolutely look incredible. And you know, with this fight coming, you know, in this in this fight as well as when Asta loses his arm, he sacrifices it to his devil as a hey man, I need to keep fighting, I got to keep going. Can you please help me? He's like, yeah, I'll help you, but I'm taking your fucking arm. And Asta's like, whatever, dude. We need. We, I got. I need to keep going. You know, y- Yami's relying on me, and then just the epic finish of this fight of where it's, you know, all in perfect slow motion of the devil's like, hey, also, you only have, like, a couple more seconds, bro. You better wrap this up quick or you're about to, like, be done. And uh, Yam, the slow motion of Yami just tossing Asta his sword, Asta getting Yami's sword and finishing Dante off for this fight was absolutely incredible. Uh, th- this is really, in my opinion, the, the, the pinnacle of the anime. Still one of my favorite things that came out of that was next day after that episode aired, me seeing on Twitter the cut where instead of Yami tossing his sword, it's fucking Zoro <laughs> tossing his sword to Asta. Right, right. Uh, coming in at number eight, we have Yusuke versus Younger Tagoro from Yu Yu Hakusho. Woo! Here we go. Slugfest, I tell ya. <laughs> so, pretty much at this point in the series, this is the final fight of the Dark Tournament. We've had four or three exceptional fights beforehand between the rest of the Tagoro team and the Yurameshi team, and just this is the pinnacle. Younger Tagoro throughout the entire series has been the peak. This is the top guy, and Yusuke has been chasing him since the beginning of the series, pretty much. Um, and just an overall outstanding fight between the two of them, just Yusuke using all the skills he's learned throughout the Dark Tournament, pushed Tagoro further and further from starting at... Uh, 40% to 50% going all the way to 100 and just Yusuke throughout the entire fight just complete keep going pushing him further until finally piercing and defeating Tagoro and just this matchup rivalry that's been from start to finish for throughout this entire series at this point in time just exceptional fight exceptional rivalry just the pushing of the two Coming in at number seven, Nitero versus Miriam from Hunter Hunter. Yeah, um, so as I said, my favorite Hunter Hunter fight is Crowley versus Lucifer. This is also a very good one. Um, and basically, it's the uh, one of the biggest fights in the Chimera and Orc. It's uh, the strongest hunter at this time, uh, Chairman Nitero versus the strongest creature, uh, the nameless king of the Chimera ants. Um, Nitero is able to. Get, I'll just call him Miriam for now, even though that's one of the the plots of the, the fight. Um, 
is able to lure Mer- or get Mer- Miriam away from the castle and the other Chimerian in order to fight him. And ultimately, his goal is to kill him. Um, though Nidoro just or Miriam just wants to ask Nidoro questions about humanity as he's part human and quite curious. Um, so Mary or Nidoro tries to to fight Miriam without Miriam ever even budging. Um, up until Nedro's like, well, if you won't fight me, then I won't tell you your name, which is what ultimately convinces Miriam to fight Nedro. Um, the fight is, it's, it's a really good fight. It's really well animated. All of, uh, Nedro's attacks, uh, towards Miriam and are just really good. Um, there's, you know, kind of that backstory of Nedro thrown in there too, um, Ultimately, the fight is a loss on Nidoro's end as he wasn't able to actually ever kill Miriam. And Miriam comes back even stronger than he was before, uh, taking some of his uh, followers' power. Coming in at number six, we have Deku versus Overhaul, My Hero Academia. <sighs> I know. Man, oh man. What a fight. Um, Shout out to the eye that got, you know, that had a bigger animation budget than the entire season three and four of the seven deadly sins. Right. (laughs) Oh shit. Oh man. So there's just the thing about this fight. It starts off with just, you know, the police trying to apprehend this criminal and man, oh man, does it, 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 I'll tell you what, is it as a watcher, it hits you with some gut punches. You see, who is considered to be the strongest student at UA take one of the saddest L's I think I've seen in this series. True. Oh, Lamillion. He is, he was probably the character I was rooting for the most, like waiting to see what's going to happen. Like with this character going on into the future and he loses his quirk and you see him lose his quirk trying to save. Oh my God. Why am I blanking on her name? Airy. Right. God, I haven't watched anything in a while. Um, you see him lose his quirk, saving Aerie from Overhaul, who's basically just trying to dissect her and rearrange her over and over again because he's a fucking scumbag, and that's what scumbags do is dissect children. <laughs> um, it's a fact. Look it up. I've never met a, I've never met a stand-up person that dissects kids. I mean, he's not um, wrong. Look at FMA. Oh, see? There <laughs> oh you go, God. dude. Um, but, like... So one of the things about this fight in particular that's great is you've just got Deku, you know, giving it his all, trying to stop this guy, and nothing's working. And you've got Aerie, whose quirk is, at this point, been explained to her as a curse, and no, it's not good for anything. And all she does is hurts people and all this blah, blah, blah bullshit that Overhaul's told her. But man, oh man, does it feel great to see Deku tire to his back. Her quirk makes him... Basically, you know, he more or less junior. just straps on an invincibility. Chain. Yeah, he's yeah, basically, basically Junior All Might. <laughs> and you see him hand overhaul this just great ass whipping, which features a great soundtrack, by the way, which you'll get to appreciate more if you had watched the second movie. That's true. Because that is a underrated piece of music to come from this show, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. Uh, might you? Might you? Yep. Fantastic piece of music, going with some fantastic scenes. And me, I'm, um, for lack of a better way to describe it, I'm a big pussy when it comes to watching anime fights. Like when they move me, I cry. <laughs> I do. Like I cried during this fight. I cried when I thought Endeavor was gonna get his ass beat by that Nomu. 
Like, he was just standing there with his hands up. I cried. You know, Deku beat the shit out of Overhaul. I cried. All Might was standing there. Guess what? Shocker, right? I, I cried. cried. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, just for whatever reason, things that are animated very well and have a very great accompanying soundtrack, oh, man, I cry. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many video game trailers I've watched where at the end of it, I'm sitting there just, like, at my desk, just... <laughs> Just sniffling, like, because guess what? I fucking cried for no reason. And it's not like I have any attachment to anything that's going on. I'm just like, fuck, that was great. So I guess I'm going to cry now. Life is Strange Date Night makes so much more sense to me now. It does. <laughs> it makes so much more sense. Like, you know, like, well, like, um, just for example, I'll be watching video game trailers on YouTube and I'll just be like, that was a really good cinematic. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, coming in at number five, we have the Von Gola family versus the Simon family in Hitman Reborn. It's real sad we're never going to see this animated. No, and he's right, man. This to this to this day, the Inheritance Succession arc and Hitman Reborn, which takes place right after the future arc where the anime ended, is still my favorite arc of all series, all time, this arc. This is the absolute peak of of the peaks of Hitman Reborn and one after another for this for for these fights is just gets better and better as we go on where it's you know one set of guardians a whole new set of flames introduced in this arc the earth with the set of earth flames where you have like glacier um you know desert forest swamp mountain um one that was this still irks me to this fucking day one that was never named Still, that still bothers me. Oh, you're right. It was. It was. Yeah, the guy that was like, uh, yeah, was like Yamamoto's yeah. friend. I'm assuming it. Uh, I don't know what it could be, but that still bothers me to this day. But no, each each of these fights, what made like this is all set up where the you know the Simon family believe the Von Gola family has wronged them throughout history. That's what they believe. And then when it comes time for them to throw down because someone horribly fucked up Yamamoto where he's basically in the hospital on a deathbed. Soon it's just like, you know, he's been anti this whole thing. He's just like, okay, we're about to fucking throw down now. Soon as it's like, all right, let's do it. Let's set up the whole inheritance thing for me to become the boss, even though I have no desire to do it. So we can try to lure these bastards out. Cause we're going to fuck some shit. They, they end up fighting the Simon family who they thought was their friends beating the, the Von Gola, the Von Gola family getting the shit beat out of them, even though they just got their ring upgrades at the end of the future arc. Rings getting destroyed, then have to get their rings rebuilt in these new form of Von Gola gear, and in each fight when the Von Gola gear appears, one after another of, of the two families putting their prides on the line, and whoever loses these fights has to go to the Vendice prison. Yes. The Vendice is overseeing this fight because once this fight started, the curveball is here, Vendice steps in after Reborn po points him out, and Vendice is like, well, we kind of have an obligation that if these two families are to ever fight, we have to monitor the fight. And everyone's like, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? That's random. It's just like, Which is really random in the series because the Vendice have barely been a part of anything besides initially Mukro stuff. Yeah, Mukro, that's it. You know, when it came, they were just like, yeah, this was an agreement between the first two bosses of the Von Gohl and, Simone, and Simon family where everyone's like, whoa, okay, hold on. That's, got, that's catching us off guard now. So each time a fight comes to a finish, everyone starts to get the memories of what happened between these two families because the way that you know the original two both the primos have this whole thing set up is that these two families are never meant to clash they are meant to stay friends and stay on good terms forever but thanks 
to Damon Spade, the first generation and second generation Mist Guardian of the Vongola, he fucked with history more or less and you know kind of messed shit up where these two ended up becoming absolutely you know they fucked up you know Simon's history where they believe the Vongola has taken things from them and shafted them and one after another each fight is better and better. Hibari's fight still stands out to me to this day because this is the fight where he finally acknowledges who he is in this family, acknowledging with the line, you know, you know, after she said, why would you sign, uh, uh, you know, uh, side yourselves with the Von Gola family? He's like, I, I'm not with them. I don't like the way you worded that. But then he said, but it is the sky that allows the cloud to move about freely. And one day I will even bite up the sky itself. Acknowledging his role as the Cloud Guardian and Suna's strength. Gokadera, you know, after the Swamp Guardian was just beating down Suna's, it's like, he sucks at this, he sucks at this, he sucks at this, blah, blah, blah. You know, and Suna's just like, oh, God, Gokadera, you know, he's going to ditch me now, whatever. And Gokadera flat out, for the first time, being like, yeah, you're right, Suna sucks. But the reason I follow Suna is this, 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 and this, and this. Everything about these fights are absolutely phenomenal. These, if, you, if you've watched Hitman Reborn and you've never re- gone and read the manga, you absolutely need to because this arc is absolutely 10 out of 10. And another t- and speaking of 10 out of 10, an absolute 10 out of 10 fight that's not necessarily a, a fight. It's kind of like what we mentioned with the Food Wars earlier where this is just a conflict. This is one of the greatest mental battles in anime history. Coming in at number four, we have Light versus L from Death Note. As Alex said, this is by far one of the most heightened mental battles and intellect battles in anime. Still to date, honestly, of just L versus Light in Death Note and just their whole giant chess game throughout this entire series of uh, Light trying to outwit L and kill L and continue being uh, Kira and L the whole time just... Being aware, Light's Kira, I'm fairly sure at least once L met Light, he was fairly confident that that's who Kira was. Yep. And just him just playing this game with Light of just getting him, get, trying to get the evidence to prove that Light was Kira. And just their whole giant chess battle of the two of them just constantly going back and forth of trying to out with the other from Light, having him and... Uh, I forget her name now. The other girl, the blonde-headed girl. Who oh, had, I don't remember uh, her name either. Who had a Shikigami. Yeah. And him having them both abandon their death notes so they forget everything. Misa. Yep. Misa. Thank Misa, you. Misa Amane. Yeah. yeah. Um, to L doing his first introduction of going, having the broadcast and claim this is him, and Kira killing him, L popping up just like, yeah, this wasn't everywhere. This was actually only in the Tokyo metropolitan area. So thanks for helping me. Uh, shorten the search area. Still one of my favorite moments in anime. Yeah, and even to the fact, even though not a lot of people who've read or watched Death Note aren't the biggest fan of the ending second half, of even just sort of L's thing, even after L unfortunately finally loses that fight and perishes, L's sort of just last mementos of the two um, students, successors he sort of leaves behind with his sort of skills and whatnot and teachings that eventually help to catch light in the end and everything. So just an overall top intellectual fight and chess battle between the two of them. 
Yeah, that spanned like 30-something episodes. I mean, and that's what just makes yeah. it so great. Uh, speaking of spanning a lot of episodes, uh, coming at number three, this fight has taken the crown in anime history for the longest episode fight ever. Of course, that you know the one that everyone knows and keeps you know fondly in their mind is Goku and Frieza being considered the longest fight in anime history. Well, this one right here actually topped it in episode count, and that is Luffy versus Katakuri in One Piece. Yeah, Luffy versus Katakuri is uh, the big fight of Whole Cake Island. And uh, basically, it's, it's more or less a mirror match um, as Katakuri has the Mochi Mochi Devil Fruit, which is allows him to turn his body into Mochi, um, which his fighting style resembles Luffy's uh, gum gum fruit. Uh, not only that, Katakuri has firstly awakened his devil fruit, which means he can turn other things into Mochi. Uh, so it's the second time, or the third time we see an awakened devil fruit in the series. And on top of that, Katakuri has advanced observation hockey which means he can see into the future enough that he can more or less predict his opponent's attack uh so right at the start of this fight luffy is he's up against the wall um and as this this fight goes on um category begins to start respecting luffy for um how you know he can dodge all of his attacks and how he he keeps up this fighting um and so on and so forth um Ultimately, Luffy ends up losing the first half of the fight, um, to which Katakuri goes off and starts eating donuts, uh, reveals his mouth, and doesn't check to make sure Luffy's dead or not, which starts the second part of the fight, where Luffy breaks the shack that Katakuri's eating his donuts and reveals his face to the entire, you know, everyone in the mirror world. Um, and the second half of the fight starts from there with uh, Katakuri and Luffy fighting. One of the big reveals out of this fight is uh luffy's gear fourth snake man love it uh which is yeah which is a, a faster version of gear fourth bounce man or gear fourth tank man that we saw earlier in this arc um and with that luffy's able to pretty much match category speed and uh his range as luffy can fire his uh his king or his king yes yeah, king cobra uh a lot farther now um throughout the fight luffy's observation hockey also increases to the point where he can see a little bit in the future as well um the turning point of the match is when category's little sister uh ends up wounding luffy um which category you know takes as an affront to this fight that someone else stepped in and helped him out and now no matter what happens he can't win because of that moment to which he ends up injuring him himself um so both players are now weakened and the fight rages on a little bit longer uh ultimately in the end though luffy defeats katakuri um and t- basically tells katakuri's planes like i'm gonna i'm gonna come back i'm gonna take down big mom and i'm gonna come king of the pirates and katakuri responds with i hope that happens and passes out from there um one last show of respect Luffy places the spare hat he has his entire arc on top of Katakuri's face, covering up his uh, his deformed mouth. Um, when the fight ends, Katakuri has a, a deeper respect for Luffy and ultimately ended his uh, his main goal of killing him to look at him more as a rival now. 
Yeah, and as we've talked about throughout this uh, this episode, you know, a couple fights that stand out to us are just fights that where there's just a lot of mutual respect between the two, and that's one thing about Luffy and Category that really stuck out to me reading it was just the pure amount of respect between the two. And I've while I'm not an anime, well, I'm not an anime watcher for One Piece. I have watched this fight personally just on YouTube, and it's an absolutely it's an absolutely wonderfully animated fight. Um, you know, One Piece animation is always top notch these days, and this this was definitely an example. Uh, coming in at number two, you know, I already mentioned it, um, and that is uh, what was the longest fight in anime history, a legendary fight that has shaken the, the, shaken the foundation of anime and changed the anime industry as we, as we once knew it, that is Goku and Frieza. You know, when this fight you know, happened in the anime, it really did change the landscape for anime fights at the time, this being the longest fight in history, this being the introduction to Super Saiyan, of course, which, you know, again, comedic reason, Super Saiyan was made just so, you know, Toriyama didn't have to always color in Goku's hair at the time just to save them time. That's a funny little tidbit there. But this fight had so much buildup throughout the entire Namek arc, just the eerie feeling throughout the whole arc of Frieza being this psychotic fuck, you know, and this little dude, by the way, where it's just like, man, what the hell is he going to do? He's some little guy in a little pod floating around, but then as he further continues to evolve and evolve and fighting all the, the Z fighters one by one Vegeta coming up getting his shit wrecked then of course the reveal of Vegeta and his last dying breath to Goku about the truth of what happened to the Saiyans and Vegeta in tears begging Goku please beat Frieza and then just the fight taking off from there the presumed ending of where Goku fires the spirit bomb they thought it was done Frieza comes back blows Krillin up right in front of Goku shoots Piccolo at the same time and Goku loses his mind and becomes a Super Saiyan for the first time then you know they really need to get a clock because then it's you know five minutes till Namek explodes and it was like 20 episodes later so it's a, you know a lot of episodes in a five minute span but okay thanks anime logic but no i mean this fight of course you'd expect it to be up there because not only was it just a really good fight from beginning to end but it because of the build-up and everything with it but just because of the effect that it had on the anime industry because it really did change everything that we kind of know about anime and it really helped further pave the way for what we have today and then coming in at number one, uh, build up, build up, build up, build up. You know that is a big thing about about uh, anime fights of, or manga fights or anything. And this fight has the biggest build up in history of manga and anime, in my opinion. And then also one of the biggest rivals there is in anime yes. rivalries. When people think of rivalries in anime, people are going to naturally take like you know. Goku and Vegeta, you know, depending on, I guess, your your era, people are going to mm-hmm. go to, like, Yugi and Seto Kaiba. You know, there's the L and Light. There are these notable rivals, but one that always sticks out above the rest for people is Naruto and Sasuke. The finale for this fight, a fight that has been built up over 600 and something chapters, because the series ended at 700. I think the fight started in the 680s, I believe. And the build-up for that man with their first fight, the couple of meetings they had since the meeting where you know the last meeting before the war started where you know naruto said hold your anger and release it on me because i'm the only one that can take it this fight is absolutely top notch you know this fight the, the the entire fate of the world literally rides on this fight because everyone is still stuck in the infinite sukuyomi yep. that only they can release the only people on this planet is sakura kakashi naruto and sasuke and uh, the now while the uh, reading the manga, it's fantastic, it's great. But the anime 
for this fight is incredible because the one thing that we have shouted out multiple times in this episode is the music. The music just draws you in, like especially when you bring in the intro songs. It really pulls you in. This fight starts with no music, nothing. It's complete silence. It starts at the head of at the head of Madara and uh, Hashirama mm-hmm. statue. When they jump down, you see Naruto and Sasuke through the years, the kids' versions. When they were Ginnings, when they fought the first time, when they encountered the first time in Shippuden, to how they are now, just flipping through their different appearances. And then for I think it, as I just rewatched it recently, it's about three minutes of complete just silence and them fighting. They don't say a word to each other. No music, no words. You know, Sasuke knowing how Naruto fights throughout this whole thing, stopping him from doing the Shadow Clone Jutsu like four different times. You know, Sasuke literally creating hand signs with Naruto's hands as he's doing it to use like a fireball Jutsu. Everything about this fight delivers the, the buildup that we've waited for throughout the whole series. The, you know, the epic, you know, once they finally do start to actually say, yep. say, say words, you know, where they start to unleash, you know, Karama's power, the uh, Sasono, everything. Like, it just completely continues to ramp up from there to the, you know, the final, you know, to the epic finale where they have, like, no chakra left and they're just beating the shit out. It's a good old slugfest. Yes, it is. It turns right into a good old slugfest right in the end. Just beating the shit out of each other with almost nothing left. And then Karama, you know, giving Naruto this speech of, like, hey, I can give you my last bit of chakra, but I'm about to go to sleep after that. Karama just going through, like, hey, you know, you need to be ripped, blah, blah, blah. And then Karama just stops talking and Naruto is just holding his fist up. Just, like... Not even saying a word. Naruto's like, all right, let's get it. You know, I'm ready to do this. Do the fist bump, pass on the last bit of chakra, and then the beautiful shot to end their epic finale of as Naruto's going through the air and you have his Rasengan and you see each character's hand go over the Rasengan with Naruto of that's impacted him throughout the series for the finale. And then all of the dream sequences of, you know, the two characters and their parallel, you know, of lives of where you see you know, Naruto with only like one or two people. You see Naruto with Haruki. Then you see Naruto's group, his friends. You see the entire army behind Naruto of people that he's encountered and becomes friends with. And Sasuke is all alone. And it's just like a complete open, you know, eye opening moment for Sasuke of just like, you know, hey, I, I realize that now losing this fight, I have completely fucked up my life in every way possible. Uh, this is to me the greatest buildup for a fight in anime history, and that and it's one of it's my opinion the best fight in anime history. In my opinion, uh, do you boys have? I know I went on a big monologue there. Do you boys have thoughts on this fight? I mean, I'm in complete agreement. This episode that well, the string of episodes that this fight is is just exceptionally well animated. Everything from just how this is a pinnacle fight. This is the ultimate fight of the entire series of Naruto. Because this has been a rivalry since back in like chapter four. Yeah. And as you, yeah. Yeah. And then over 600 chapters later, we're finally getting just these sort of generations of these two and just how it does flow from their beginnings to their middle all the way to this current time. It is just a overall encompassing fight of this entire series, the story of both these two characters, regardless of all the other stuff that's happened in this series, just encompassing these two and just more or less stating that Naruto is mainly a story between these two. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's really one of those um, series that you can tell because... From start to finish, you know, the minute you've started this series, either anime or manga, you know where it's going to end up. You know, everything else that's happened in in the in-between, 
you know it was always going to end with these two fighting. And, you know, there's there's a quote from a song um, by Brandon Flowers. He's the lead singer of The Killers. And I think it really applies to the Naruto-Sasuke fight. And it's from Mr. Brightside. It started out with a kiss. How did it end up like this? <laughs> God damn. That's very well done. Well done, Diaz. Jesus Christ, that's amazing. <laughs> but no, I mean, like like I said, though, everybody that's watched this show has, has known that like it was always going to end with them fighting somewhere at some point and it being an end-all fight. You know, I think the real surprise for me was just the fact that one of them didn't actually die. Right? Yeah. Which because, is... like, I expected one of them to die. And, I mean, I mean, this show's named Naruto. I expected Sasuke to die. I'm not going to lie. Well, that was actually sort of a twist because when you think about it, when Alex, the point when the two of them met each other for the first time again forever, right after Sasuke's attack on the uh, Hokage the... meeting. Yep. And... Naruto and him have that sort of standoff and Naruto more or less telling him, fight me. And there's that moment where they both have a realization after crossing a couple fists that they're both, one of them is going to die at the, if they, when they fight. And it's actually addressed at that point too. Mm -hmm. Josh, you got any thoughts on this fight, my friend? Uh, no. How can I, how can I follow that Mr. Brightside. That's true. That is, I think that's the peak moment of this Nobody podcast. Nobody wants to follow that. That is the peak moment of this podcast for sure. I set Josh up for failure. Yeah, that's on did. me. Yeah. We should have gone to Josh first then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this list. Uh, if there was any fights, like I said, without, when, I, when I talked about the honorable mentions, that was not on this list that you're a massive fan of or we missed or overlooked or whatever, please let us know in the comments below. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this one. I know this is a longer one. Lighthearted Gamers 50 was a longer one as well. Uh, but hopefully you stuck all the way to the end. If you are, you're an absolute legend. I appreciate the hell out of you for that. Uh, boys, you got any last thoughts before we get out of here? I mean, like, comment, subscribe, rate. If there's any of those fights you dislike, let us know in the comments and we can fight about it. Sure. I'll throw down on about some of these fights. I'll die on a hill. Yeah, Let's go. Will. I'll die on this fucking hill. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube and you like what's going on, you can hit that subscribe button. If you really like what's going on, you can hit the bell to let it notify you anytime we upload a video or a clip at youtube.com slash sparky three. Josh, you got anything? And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Animan Podcast. Where if you have any complaints, direct them at Alex's ass. At AlexLight23, just at me. We'll fight about yep. it. It's all right. I'm here, I'm here to throw down. Uh, Diaz, what about you, man? First time on here on the show. Did you enjoy yourself? Um, thank you for coming on. Did you have a good time? Uh, yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was definitely nice to be here. I enjoyed myself. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, I, I'm definitely not opposed to doing some more episodes in the uh, future yeah. or something like that. But, you know, it's, we'll just have to work it out with my schedule because normally Fridays are bright and early days for me where I got to be up before, before the sun's up and it sucks, but you know, it is, what that's, it is, right? that's doing what you got to do to get that dollar to keep the lights on. Am I right? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Well, do you, you know, funny enough, Chris Abbott was supposed to be our first guest. He said, exactly Oh my God, this is, shut up. Josh. Shut up. Josh. <laughs> Josh, you had your chance. You did. He was here. He was he here. Was, he was within driving distance and you fucked up. <laughs> this is on you, man. We're I'm not going to buy tickets for that. The, our, that ship has sailed. You messed up on that one. 
All right, well, Diaz, again, I appreciate you for coming on to the show, talking about the bleach stuff that we most definitely were not going to be able to talk about, as well as some of the other fights that you pitched. Uh, again, hopefully you guys have an absolutely phenomenal time with this. Uh, do everything that Zach said and more. With that said, until next time, guys, have a good one. Bye. Later.